0: Yo, what's up, guys? It's Mark. Welcome back to Bench Units. I'm joined by James, as I always am. James, how's it going, man?
1: Yeah, not too bad. I'm no longer worried that you were just going to sit there and let me intro. You paused for just long enough that I panicked, even though we discussed this just before we hit record. But it's all yeah, good.
0: I think we've established I'm the one who does the intros around here because we get to like the pre-pod bit of bantering that we have. Have you got anything? Nope. OK, cool. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, so to follow up on last week's question about underutilized animals or team emblems, what is a basketball team color scheme that we should see at some point that hasn't been done yet?
1: Um, I'll go green, white, and orange. I'll go Ireland. I'll just, I'll just be an absolute shill. <laughs> I really thought your follow-up to last week was if you could choose any animal to actually functionally help a wheelchair basketball team if they had to play, what would you go for? Which and I think here, is...
0: and huh? here you are saying you had nothing for the intro and uh, we amble past my half-hearted question that was only meant as a tack on to last week's one that we never got around to, and you pull that one out. I'm going to have food for thought for the entire podcast now. And don't I worry, think... you
1: don't need to try that hard. The answer is probably octopus. A <laughs> <laughs> volume of limbs.
0: You may well be right.
1: I might. Alright, should we talk about something that is probably more important than what we're talking about right now?
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: Alright, cool. So we're going to blitz through a couple of the Spanish league games first that ended up sort of 20 points or more. Um, first one on the slate is Madiba 59, Murcia 78. Um, Lee Fryer finishing with 24 on 50% shooting. Lalo actually not having four fouls in a half, being able to chip in with 17. Um, but, Pablo but with
0: they finished on five fouls for what it's worth.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but in 36 minutes rather than...
0: <laughs> 23.
1: It, it, his foul trouble didn't limit his first half. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, Pablo Zarzarela with 10. Um, Pete Pikuzak with six. Uh, they've been finding out with Joaquin Robles with eight, um there with seven, Bill with two, and Luigi Macambo with four. Did I miss anyone there? No.
0: Yeah, you got everybody there. Uh, well,
1: everyone who scored. Uh it's, it's it's funny for us to be like, yeah, and if you didn't score,
0: <laughs> nah. No,
1: I don't care.
0: Um... Mediva side, 22 for John Andes, 19 for Enzo, Trevor a couple of eights from Montego Zibi and Cano Arroyo. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a low-profile win for Mercia, but I think the probably the only thing worth mentioning off the back of this is behind Amiab. They are the only undefeated team left. I think they've played one less game because they didn't play on the opening week. Uh, Amiav have played a significantly stronger schedule so far so I think that goes, I'm counting Amiav as undefeated not counting the um, Super Cup loss In the league you mean, yeah Um, But Yeah, Mercia obviously haven't played the toughest schedule in the world yet, Uh, they've certainly taken care of business and fattened up on some of the weaker teams but you get to be the the team to try and put the first dent in their armour this coming weekend Oh, what a journey it is. What a bus trip. Um,
1: <laughs> now, nah, man, it was interesting to me that Medeba stuck around with them for so long. They kind of dealt with Mercier. Oh, no, they dealt with Mercy's defensive strength quite well for a quarter and a bit. I think it was 26, 26 at one point, And then just the rest of the second quarter, the second quarter ended up 18, 6. And it was kind of over from there. They, yeah. even, they, they want they had one big quarter which was a press obviously as is their kind of thing but yeah man um kind of surprised that medieval stuck around for that long but
0: yeah. it's funny we're still surprised by medieval doing this when they seem like they do it every game <laughs> yeah like, the staff, they hang with alaceetti and they're like oh how is this happening and then it's like third quarter games got away from them and we're like, ah, that's the manoeuvre we know and love. And yet the first part of that pattern always surprises us somehow.
1: Yeah, I guess they're like good enough, talented enough, mobile enough that they can give some teams trouble. And if you have a guy like John who can just kind of score in any circumstance, it's fine. Like, you're gonna be, you're gonna do alright for a stretch, but then I kind of trust the good teams to problem-solve their way out of John being a big factor consistently. Like, You kind of find a way to force the ball to other people and you certainly find a way to score on them. But yeah, Yeah. (laughs) not a whole lot. We said we weren't going to stick around in these teams much longer. So we'll be shift on. Let's do it. All right. Ami Valrez, Gutierrez, Malaga 75, Getafe 49. Mm -hmm. This was not that fun. Um, (laughs) I mean, it was all right. It was just like Malaga sort of just comfortably better than them consistently without blowing them out, particularly in any quarter. Like, they didn't win a quarter by double figures, but it didn't matter. They just chalked them by 20. Um, Sandoval, with putting up big numbers from the game, 22 on 10 of 21. Uh, Kyle with 15. Um, mean, Sparrow with 20. Uh, Abdi with 10. So four double-figure scorers, kind of doing most of your work there. Um,
0: Kyle with 11 assists as well is a big one. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't remember the last time he had a number like that. Um, I don't know. Yeah. No, I think he, the passes are generally always there. I don't know how many times I've seen the Malaga guys finish off to the tune of finishing with 11 assists for Kyle.
1: Yeah, uh, sure. I wonder how many of his assists, like I can't remember because I blitzed through this game because it was a blowout. But I wonder how many of his assists were like of the 11, how many were like Sandoval like inside?
0: Yeah, probably over half. over under half. <laughs> Yeah, Um, yeah. I think this you said not the most impressive game, but probably Malaga's most comprehensive win of the year. And if there was reason for like real lessons taken out of this, it's they seem to have been. They've done the best job so far of anyone who's really wanted to shut down Rodrigo Perez, um, who even as Atafa have been struggling against stronger teams, seems to have no problem getting shots off and you know getting his scoring numbers up around or over 20 um, they held him to six on one of 15 shooting which is uh, not hugely efficient let's put it that way Um, yeah uh, what's more impressive keeping him to one
1: make or keeping him to 15 attempts in a game I think honestly keeping him under 25 attempts is is the impressive part here I'm kind of joking but also like actually like that guy's gonna get them up no matter what and they cut his number he shot 30 times against us I think
0: yeah, I was going to say you're keeping him to about half his number of usual attempts. You're keeping him to much less than half his usual number of makes. Um, but yeah, I thought, obviously, Paco Kiles had a good game. He led them with 28 out of their 49 points. you got to give something up, so they were able to work you know, to get him shots, but he was really the only thing they had going on. Then Perez was their next leading scorer with six after that, and a couple of Couple of chuck ins, but yeah, I thought um there's not many teams at this point that Malia can just kind of out talent and like you say kind of chip their way to a significant win, but they saw the opportunity in front of them and they took it. So props to them. Yeah. Up Fair next. Enough.
1: Shifting on. Okay. Full um,
0: I haven't watched this one because I knew you were gonna remember at least something about it. Full <laughs> I-
1: disclosure, I watched enough of it that it surprises me that I played fifteen minutes. Um well, I actually thought I clocked in like lowest um lowest um minutes, apart from like the guys that are kind of end of the bench coming in for bits and pieces. But yeah, we all kind of apart from Alex Mendele, we all got double figures and the Damien. Um and I as well, sorry, I, yeah, so this was done, this was done real quick, especially after we played Kitafé last week and were in more of a game than we really wanted to be or should have been for a bit longer than necessary. Um, I think it was, our whole thing was like, right, let's not, let's not get ourselves into trouble. We have to work to get ourselves back out of. So first quarter, we came out, pressed them, put it away. First quarter was 25-7. And yeah, the rest of it was just kind of getting guys in and out. Like I played the first, probably the first seven minutes and the last seven minutes, more or less, which is a
0: nightmare because I was freezing. But <laughs> it's. Hey, You've shot for four from five, man. You can't have been that cold. Or were they all in the opening stretch? uh
1: there might have been i think it's wrong as well i think it was three from five but i also don't
0: really care that
1: much well i don't know if i was three from five but i know i definitely have missed two shots in there at least Um, but yeah
0: the only thing i think when i look at this box score for milbao is pat anderson with zero minutes played and zeros across the board for his stats and you just feel like he would want to fly in for one of these big ones wouldn't you
1: uh, imagine he was actually he was in Bilbao for a couple of days because he was doing something else somewhere in Europe um and he was in for a couple of days so he like got to Bilbao on Thursday I think he wanted to like he had to come and like have a look around and sort stuff out and I don't know whatever um and he was here for a couple of days and he brought his chair and trained I think his chair was already coming to the event that he was at in I think it was Paris but he came and trained for a day, and I was like, "Ah, you're a better man than me. I would not be here." <laughs> like, uh but yeah, he trained on the Thursday or on the yeah on the Thursday. But yeah, he couldn't. Um, he was gone by the Saturday, or else he probably would have played. But that would have been so funny if you're a uh, joven dude and you're coming to play the Bilbao team that you think is probably going to run you over and then Pat's also there just for the crack.
0: I was to, I, I'm really glad you finished the sentence that way because I thought you were going to go with if you were Jomentu you looked at Bilbao without Pat and were like, hey, we've got a chance, you know? Um, yeah. yeah, in a slight spoiler, I just unleashed there, Jomentu did not have much of a chance. Um,
1: yeah, have I even said the score? 82-52? Sorry. Um, I haven't. <laughs> but yeah, Manu with 21, running and gunning. Asier with 10, triple-double-check. Oh, no. Um, Only seven rebounds. Um, 10, and 14. Um, David with 7, me with 8. Adrian Garcia with 2. Papi with 13 off the bench. Um, Gemma also with 13 off the bench. And then first buckets in competitive basketball for Asad Bashir and... Laviano congrats to those guys and uh, Mariana one for one doing a job living the dream uh other side of the ball it was fu- oh also funniest thing that happened in this game you well you didn't you didn't see it but the record that was held by um Fabian Castilla last year for the quickest timeout of all time was broken. In this game, there was like a play and a half. I think it was twenty seconds. Um, and he called a timeout, which is just hilarious because I don't know, man. Like, what, what, what questions do you have that you didn't twenty seconds ago, or what answers do you have that you didn't have twenty seconds ago? Like,
0: it's one of those. um It's the equivalent of like the the Greg Popovich doesn't like what he's seeing from his starters, so calls a five for five. So less than a minute into the game, just. To like stand them there for ten seconds and then be like, "Hey, sort yourselves out and go back in." Yeah. That... Are
1: you, hey guys, are you serious? Are you gonna? Okay, cool, thanks. But yeah, um, no, nothing really to write home about on the other side of the ball. Gustavo Viefagne, um, leading scorer for them, I guess, is interesting. He has new no legs, one arm, and is their lowest pointer. And it's <laughs> seven from eleven with fifteen points. Never mind, that's unbelievable. That um,
0: says more about you guys than it does about him, I think.
1: Yeah, it might do. Uh, Jose Lee keeping him to seven shots in 30 minutes is not something that we've been able to do previously. Uh, he was five from seven. Um, Roberto may not have four from seven for um, ten points, those two guys. And then ones, twos. Ben Leach off the bench with it. It was good to see Ben Leach. Good to see another guy from, i say, back home. Um, UK-ish um the
0: closest yeah country to you guys um yeah it's
1: nice to see, like i all jokes aside like northern irish person and a scottish person playing on the same court in a spanish league game is probably not something that has happened before uh so that's pretty cool yeah uh,
0: Um i do wonder i've seen bits and bobs of joe and their offense is so stationary apart from leap flying around i do wonder if there's gonna come a Point where obviously Mana can make shots, but he just wants to tuck in behind the screen and sit still. I do wonder if there's going to be a point where they're like, hey, let's just roll this young guy out who is content to thrash around and cause chaos. And see
1: I if- really like that man. I think they should give him a shot. Uh, it's just I don't know what level of coaching is going on there. I don't know. Like all I see from that guy is when he comes and plays a game here and calls timeouts 40 seconds into the game to have a go at people. Like I have no idea. It might be great. But, um, yeah.
0: Okay. Up next.
1: Cool. Grand Canaria 64, uh, Fundación Aliados 56. So, kind of lower scoring than I would expect. I would have expected from Grand Canaria especially at home. But, yeah, then again, Katie with 28. <laughs> again, um, Katie shots. with what's well, sorry? On 26 <laughs> shots, yes. Um, all from, like, basically 11 from 23 from two, a couple of free throws. Well, six from six free throws. You take away the threes that she missed. Like, yeah. very efficient day, although you don't. Still pretty efficient. um a yeah. kind of pretty inefficient. um Five from 15, 12 points chipped in. um Kozarena off the bench with 17 is something that they kind of haven't had this year. He's been good in and out, but I don't know, like, Against us his minutes were kind of sporadic and his body, but him getting twenty two good minutes and scoring efficiently is good for him and good for them, I think, because I like him. He's massive and he's good and I, it was was it last year or the year before? It was the year before they came into the league and he was just racking people and we were having a great time. So
0: Yeah. I think um the only really noteworthy thing from Grand Canaria here is they changed their starting lineup for this game, so in place of Raul Vega and Basti Cole, who normally start, they went with David Hernandez and Garrett Ostapchuk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ostapchuk hasn't played a lot so far, haven't seen a great deal of him that intrigues me up to this point in the season. Um, but yeah, rather than their starters carrying them on this one, they went to the modified version of their stars, where they kept David in, they brought Basti back in for Garrett, and then Kozarinja for Salazar, um, so that's a couple of changes from their usual starting five, but those two guys who came off the bench were plus 16 and plus 13 in that minute. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be that's potentially the lineup going forward. Um, might just be a one off for this game, but they yeah, it might of, have been
1: a size thing, like uh, playing yeah. a, by the lady here a little slower but bigger,
0: yeah. But it felt before like they, um. I don't think they could get Cosarina in for Salazar in a one to one swap, right? Because No,
1: he's four and a half now. I think he's four or five now, isn't he?
0: Yeah. Um and yeah, they kind of stuck with Raul. And I think they're potentially at least in certain matchups, they're like, hey, let's get a bigger guy out there. And if you know, Raul's a really small two and a half, so I think there's some element of downgrading from him to David in mobility terms, you're at least you're losing some shooting, but you're not it's not you're subbing out. The example I used last week being Trayvon Jennifer. It's not like you're subbing Trayvon Jennifer out for a small one, right? You're subbing a small 2-5 out for a small one, so it's not a massive amount lost. loss. Yeah, that um, is
1: is rapid uh, yeah. for a one, which helps.
0: And yeah, Vidalud's side, 21 from Adrian Perez, 21 from Yelmer. Vidalud was seven guys. They did... Post something today. One of their Iranian signings from the summer has just arrived recently, uh, so I think he's joining them from the next one. Unfortunately, it isn't Hadi Azar; it's the other guy whose name I will not attempt to butcher because I don't think I've ever heard it. I've just read it, and Iranian names are daunting to try and read when you've never heard them.
1: Oh, that's always a tough one. I've never seen, I've never heard this word said out loud. I'm not going to try it. But yeah, <laughs> um, twenty and twenty-one each from uh, Van Yamarvanbranchot and Iran Beres to get them close to stealing a game here. I think that's kind of, until then you guys come and then I don't know what their deal is because I haven't seen it yet. Like, I think that's their route to stealing a couple of games off the sort of mid table teams. Like these guys have 20 something and the Vigo thing from a couple of years ago, isn't it? Like, can you guys get, can you guys take 15, 20 shots each and make half of them? And can everyone else come along for the ride?
0: Yeah. And it's, um to be honest, obviously, that are meant to be like, three guys up on the seven that they roll out here. So they're meant to be waiting on Hadiazar, their other Iranian who has just arrived, and Radi Dagaman they signed over the summer as well. Um oh, yeah if you were hoping that you know if you were to say one of the three one of the three of those guys who were signed over summer is going to arrive this week. I think unfortunately this other Iranian guy is probably number three on the wish list. Um just in terms of what your team needs right now. But you would hope to see that the other two guys they signed, assume, assuming they are still coming over, show up soon. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be like another Lachlan-Dalton situation from last year where they didn't get hold until January kind of time. But if so, the season might well be out of reach at that point. Um, and it'll just be a case of what does Euro Cup hold for them, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of my very vague sentiment and all of this stuff is like, I want to see everyone, like, I want to see, like, full strength teams to actually see what we've got, because it makes it more interesting. Like, I don't know if they'd have had enough to sort of pit past Gran Canaria if Gran Canaria also played at the level they should, but it would have made it a lot more interesting.
0: I mean, throw Hadir into any game on a team that only loses this one by eight points. And you like to think the team, team they lost to is going to have to subsist by slightly more than eight points to withstand him. Yeah,
1: it's the, it's the thing of like, it's not like you add this guy in and it is just plus eight because other guys don't take shots. But like with Hadir are it is at least that. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't what's know when he's coming. The, God knows. But
0: what's the plus on Adi Azad? If you're like, just take what will be his scoring average for the season and add that to the valid score total so of this one. What do you think the number goes to? That's a very roundabout way of saying how many points do you think he'll average? But I like it better for I think he.
1: I think he'll average
0: like. Will he average like
1: nineteen? Nineteen was,
0: a game. That was the number in my head as well. I don't know oh, like, Are you just 20, saying that? When he just seems daunting.
1: Yeah, it was like there's a handful of people that are on. Tw- well, no, maybe like if he just goes nuts. And I think 20 is reserved for like, well, I don't know, like, Philipsky just averaged 34 for a month, but like, all time scorer. Yeah. Um, Speaking
0: of Philipski, should we move on?
1: Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, thanks. Good, uh, good, good transition. Um, I
0: have, I have a very. I'll keep this rolling with Philipsky because I have a very simple question that you might be able to. You know, my answer is overly simplistic for what the question might be, so you might be able to flesh this out a it. Okay, what but, is your question?
1: And can I ask your answer first, oh, or no?
0: Um, I'll go with the question first, and then if you need time to think, I'll vamp with my answer. Cool, no worries. My question is, these teams that are playing Alba Seti week by week, have they seen Filipski play before? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're saying this like... Teams are throwing the kitchen sink at him at this point. Um, like they're trying to stop him. We're trying to stop him when we play them. Like everyone's doing what they can and I don't think it matters. And it's like it's not like you can it's not like it's him and no one else, and you can just just push all your chips into the middle of the table and go, right, Fifi doesn't get going because I don't know. The rest of the guys on the floor at any given point, five or four on three, will also beat you. I would say, and what does it get to that point soon where he has forty so many times that people are just like, "Ah, we're doubling this guy on," like from forty feet.
0: Yeah. I get what you're saying. It's not like we'll get to Saland and Trier in a minute, but you can't give Filipski on this I Amiab mean, team. You can't give him the dope pass treatment where Mutsaland just doubled him as he crossed half court. Um. Yeah. But yeah, this I, I had that feeling mainly. So this I Amiab mean, Illunion game was like the prime time Friday evening game separate from all the rest, meant to be the big showdown, and I Amiab mean, came out and smacked Lunion around. Um,
1: yeah, it was fun for a quarter though. Like, yeah, 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 First quarter was great, and I really thought we were gonna have an absolute like an absolute classic on our hands, and then uh, Fifi and also Oscar on Rubia had other ideas.
0: Yeah, he was the X factor So this was Amiab 83, Alunion 62. Philipsky um, with 39 of Amiab's 83. And he was just kind of chugging along for a lot of the first half, which is funny because I think he had 21 at halftime, but that is very much like the 10 points a quarter thing seems to be about what he's chugging along at. Yeah. Um, just kind of chugging along. And then I think 15 of his 39 came in about a four minute stretch of the third quarter, if I remember right, where Lunion had like suffered against the Amiad press and then they were like, hey, we're defensively, we're taking away inside, we're rebounding, and we're gonna get out early and try and make, you know, get down the floor quickly and whatever it was. Um and philipski's response to that was to hit about seven straight shots. <laughs> it was like, oh, all right. That's why you don't just sink in against Amiab and hope that you can win the rebounding battle because there won't be any rebounds <laughs> if you just sit off this guy.
1: Yeah, philipski who like I don't know if this is like, this is not a new thing, but like it seems like he's more intentional about like any time he has a look at a three in transition, it's a great time for him to shoot a three. Also like there's no bad time for Philipsky to shoot a three unless Lee Manning's under the basket on his own, I would say, but like Fifi's really like carved out the like, okay, if we're in transition and I can put a three up, it's going. Cause as soon as you have to defend that, as soon as you're like undermanned in like a numbers situation and you have to worry about the three point line against the biggest team in Europe, top to bottom, I would say, especially when everyone's back. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're in a world of trouble.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it was interesting to see with this one. Um, have went away from the starting lineup they've used all season. So they've normally gone Filipski, Phil, Ben, um, Alexi Ruiz, and Charlotte Moore. So they took Ruiz and Charlotte out for this one, and they went with Harry and Oscar on Rubia and that was an inspired move because Oscar had sixteen on eight of twelve shooting and seemingly every time Illunion even sniffed putting a couple of consecutive baskets together, they left Oscar open to help on somebody else and he sunk one from mid range. Yeah,
1: and they were happy enough to leave him, which like you have to make some choices, obviously. Like you're gonna end up five on fours so you have to you have to sort of choose a hill to die on. Um cool. but I wonder at what point on the way from on the way to it from 12 do you kind of change your mind um because obviously you've got like phil ben spacing out harry's on the block for felipski in a lot of these scenarios so like there's no you can't help off him if he's involved in the primary action the only way you can really do anything about that is like let him go to the basket and that's not giving up a layup and even so then you're kind of the decision you're making is do i prefer the spot up from this guy that has hit a couple but we decided we would live with or a layup, it's pretty hard to talk yourself into that, but yeah, you're right. defensively as well, man. Like just being able to go with those guys for the guts of forty. Like Phil and Oscar played forty, um, and Harry with twenty. Also, a big swing in the first quarter was Harry drawing Pincho's second foul, and then. Immediately getting into it with him and getting double tax, which for which was Harry's first, but Pincher's third in the first quarter in about five minutes, which is pretty smart mm-hmm. from Harry, I would say. A bit of
0: yeah. It may it may only have been his first, but he made up for it the rest of his 20 minutes where he racked up three more fouls. So you'd love to see that. Um on the Looney side, I thought the most telling thing that if you were to just read off one stat. And say, how do you think this game went? It was. Can the I?
1: Game. Can I? Can I? I was going to say, can I interject and guess which stat it is?
0: I would love you to.
1: It's Greg shooting three times
0: in thirty minutes. Yeah, you're yeah. Well, no, it's
1: more Albasetti letting Greg shoot yeah. three times. It's it's not like it's not a Greg thing. Greg's going to shoot twenty times if you let him shoot nineteen times, but um, yeah, defensively, just unbelievable.
0: Yeah, I think um, I was reminded with uh, with Greg. A few, do you remember a few years back when Burgos had like Filipski, Matchek, Lee, Will, whoever it was. Um, Burgos,
1: you're so Burgos coded. It's great.
0: Now, do you remember this game? I think I can't remember. They did they beat Ilunion or did they beat Bilbao? They beat one and they ran the other close.
1: They beat Bilbao. I remember that because I was watching it at the time. I think we were we were watching it as a team because we played early and then we just like went out and got yeah. very drunk and sat and watched it, and I nearly flipped the table. Um, it was great.
0: But Burgos nearly beat Eluni on that time, um, and that was with Matchek going haywire. And then the next time they played them, it was like, hey, we're going to jump Macek with a big, we're going to lock and trail when he gets off the pick, and he's going to have to squeeze a shot up, with like rolling inside with a big guy over the back of and a giant waiting between him and whatever big guy he's working with. And this was very reminiscent, like, ironically, because obviously Greg is now with Illunion, who were the pioneers of that scheme. Um, and Amiab essentially did the same thing where, like, hey, we're going to jump you with Harry or Simon or Phil, and you are going to have to take a dribble off and shoot a rolling, you know, eight or nine foot shot between in a window of about six inches between two hands. And yeah, they they took Greg out of it. Pinchot was in foul trouble. Terry did his best with 19 points in 24 minutes but just not not enough man you need to Illuion do have the size to counter Albacete in some of these stretches but if you're if you're going to let them win the game from the outside and you're going to rely on cramming the ball inside and trying to shoot over them you're going to struggle you need to be able to create from the perimeter first and you know Use that to leverage the space for your big guys, and I just didn't think Illunion were able to do that.
1: Yeah. For sure. Um, do we need to rattle off any more stats or nah?
0: No, I don't think so.
1: Cool. Um, yeah, this was yeah, this was great. Um unbelievable performance from Mammy especially obviously Illion took one off them in the Supercopa So interesting going forwards. I think it'll yeah, I wonder if it'll swing back the other way or be a bit more even. I don't, I don't know. know. All right. Um, maybe the most fun get. well, there's a lot of fun ones. Um, first big comeback of the week. Uh, Amfigo seventy six, Cercaest Burgos seventy three in overtime.
0: Yeah, two overtimes, nevertheless. Um, yeah,
1: two of them. Yeah, this, this
0: was like, I don't know. Um, I I knew the result of this before I watched the game and. I sat down be like double overtime game this is going to be great and then you realise that by the end of two overtimes everybody who played which granted was not a lot of people because Vigo only have seven or eight guys at the best times and played most of them for 45 minutes and ditto for Burgos yeah. um everyone who played that amount of minutes was heavy on the fouls and utterly, utterly sick of the referees by the end of the second over i Oh, man.
1: Yeah, like, I I don't know, but, like, it's tough because you kind of, people who will foul either a lot or consistently or just involved enough that they're going to pick up fouls or, like, interior guys might sort of pace their fouls, roughly, you know, you have the internal thing of, like, if I get two in the first quarter, I'm coming out. If I get three by the half, I'm probably coming out, this that and the other. So you try and roughly keep yourself to one a quarter. Um, it's it's hard you to know that this is going to go for five quarters basically. Um, so yeah, we end up with Alejo's fouled out. Um,
0: Blacko and Christian Gomez both fouled out. At yeah, America.
1: Julio Vilas as well. No.
0: Oh yeah, he was out by the there.
1: end of it. Um, which is just absolutely nuts. But I think the big thing for me was this game goes 76-73. Burgos have 40 and a half and they, 40 in 20 minutes and then they score 33 in 30 minutes. Um, So your offense just completely, it doesn't crater obviously like, but it kind of falls off a bit. I would yeah. say creators, a point per minute is not going to get you anywhere. I think it was a case of I would have said Vigo were the better team out of these two anyway and it took a while to look like that. But yeah, when you get to the point that um, Flacco is filed out. Considering that's where nearly all of your offense is generated from, you're going to be in some trouble. Like they can kind of lean on Christian Gomez offensively sometimes, but not in a team that has one mismatch. Yeah, and he's um, a big guy, but I mean, like they play four bigs or mids. Yeah. Um, that aren't easy buckets for Christian Gomez, and then you're kind of really struggling from there. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. I thought the. I thought the swing point of this was that we're seeing the construction of kind of something like, you know, two bigs, two small lower mids, and then female low, or, you know, kind of one giant, three mids, female low, whatever it might be. Um, we're seeing that all across Spain and a lot in Germany at the moment. I think Vigo have... Vigo had the advantage over Burgos in this one because they're both playing a very similar setup, but Vigo had considerably more speed to roll out there between Lewis, Oscar Knight, Julio Villas, underrated, speedy guy. Um oh, yeah. super thought quick. Villas got in and finished inside very well given the size that Burgos have. Yeah.
1: Um, he's great. Like he's looks like he plays the role of like big three without being that big very well. Like he's a couple of he's killed us a couple of times in the last couple of years, I remember he had a nine from twelve game last season against us. And I was like oh That That was weird.
0: Um, but yeah, I thought you talked about the splits of the um the first and second half there. And I thought it was Vigo kept that press on a lot. And I thought it just wore Burgos down on, especially when Gomez's game so much is shooting, you know, stationary or fading away contested post ups anyway. And I'm trying to do that when you've had to truck just to get up the court with, you know, off two or three picks with quick guys picking you up all the time. And then to have to assume the ball handler responsibilities once Flacco went out is just really not a sustainable source of offense on huge possessions. And yeah, there was a ton of stuff. There's too much to list in this game in terms of like late turnovers, late offensive fouls, um, you know, missed layups and yelling at the ref (laughs) that, you know, this should have been a foul here. I think by the end of the game, it was like a, a big collective exhale, but. I mean, yeah, credit to Vigo, man. They had to win the fourth quarter to... They won the fourth quarter 18-12. Sorry, 18-6. They won it by 12 uh, just to get to the first and second overtime. So they stuck with it. Um, and they finally got a high-scoring, if inefficient, shooting game from Agostin Olegos, who's been having, like, two and four points in a bunch of these games. He was 10 of 27 for 25 points in this game. Um not his greatest game ever, but he has an improved supporting cast this season, so I think you don't need him to be high volume and hyper-efficient to give you a chance. He just needs to get somewhere in the region of 15 points or above. Um, on the other side, Flacco, 9 of 27 for 27 points, 12 for Gomez. Uh, what's the young Spanish here called, Alejandro Garcia? Uh Yeah. I thought he had a good game. He hit some big ones to keep him in it. Helen Freeman came in for a bit when they were in foul trouble. Gave them some stuff, um, but obviously was coming in for Flacco, and she's not an offensive replacement for him at the very least. And yeah, hero of the game man, Jason Bettencourt, who's barely played all year, came in for basically the whole second overtime period, scored five points on two of three (laughs) shooting in a game where everybody else is knackered. The last thing they want to do is battle with a guy twice the height of any of them yeah. um basically came into the game as Burgos' two tallest guys had had to sit out so it was like you know fish in a barrel at that point and he dropped in a couple of easy ones and made a free throw to put it out of reach so doesn't get ready stays ready
1: yeah love that uh yeah this was fun man um I couldn't believe it i, I heard well, I think our game finished and Burgos were up, 13, I think, was their biggest. Yeah. Um, yeah, 13. And I was like, oh, cool. One, I don't understand this, but two, that's probably done. And then we were like, just after the game, sitting in the cafe above the court watching it. And, you know, someone was like, ah, I'm not watching that. That's over. And me and Jem were watching it. He was like, Oh, nine, oh, Oh, it's Seven? That's and as the numbers kept getting down, like every time he took some numbers off, more people were crowded around the phone and we were just like, what is going on? But yeah, um, it was a lot of fun. I'd recommend giving it a watch if you haven't.
0: Go check that one out.
1: But yeah, all right. Should we shift over to Germany and kind of knock out the games that we're not going to go too far into? Let's do it. All right, so first one on the slate in Germany is Hanover United 83, ING Skywheelers. 40. So yeah. Um Alexander Buddha putting up the big numbers in this game with 28 on 12 of 18. Uh Yangan's Gan's off the bench with 17. And then the pretty even spread of single figures, eight for Tom McHugh, uh four for Sean Norris, seven for Jan Haller. Uh what else have we got? Six for Oliver Yance and CJ McCarthy Grogan. Uh five for Jan Sadler, two for Vanessa Erskine. So pretty comprehensive here. Other side of the ball, Sven Diedrich with 12, Tim Diedrich also with 12, the Diedrichs with 12, um, Marianne Kind with 6, um, a 4 for Shapur Surkavi, and a bunch of twos for Sebastian Arnold, Annalena Hennig, and Christoph Spitz. So, yeah, pretty comprehensive.
0: Not a great not, a re- not a lot to talk about here. My, my only one I'll go for on this one is in a game that Hanover won by 43 Jan Zadler is in only for 25 minutes and was a plus 37 despite only scoring five points so yeah shout out to that guy um back only other massively impressive thing from Hanover is that I thought their assist distribution was pretty wild they had 30 assists on 36 37 makes. Um, and that's with ev- nobody like monopolizing CJ leading with nine. And then they had a bunch of four, five, sixes gathered up by different players. I thought that was, I only skimmed the game admittingly, admittedly, but it certainly matches the eye test in how much they, regardless of how much they pinged the ball around, it seemed like it got to Buddha inside and he finished it off. So that's a surefire way to rack up assists is to feed the guy who's clattering everybody. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh. Should
1: we write off another game? Let's do it. All right. Uh, forty two, Landil eighty. Also not that interesting. Um, Tommy with a efficient with an efficient twenty six, which is a good sign for Landil. Uh, 12, 21 Rose with ten, of course efficient because that's what Rose does. Um, Mendel with nine, Günther with nine as well, Yannick with. 4 um, Mark Beisert off the bench with 8 uh, Thomas Klein with 4 and Rowe Fujimoto with 10 yeah. uh, Other side of the ball, do
0: you want to go for it? Let's do it, so Maximilian Chaga with 14 11 for Marek Veselovsky and then a bunch of single figures from various guys up in Desvika. Uh Timu Patanen with 6, I've not I've only caught a few minutes of this. I feel like I've not seen Timu play for a long time at this point. Yeah, I
1: feel like I forgot he was there.
0: Need to go and check his minutes out again. Um, But yeah, this was obviously Landau. We've seen have some unconvincing performances against weaker teams, but this looked at least like they were willing to put the screws to somebody. So good for them. And yeah, a particularly important one for them because they've obviously got a huge one coming up. This weekend, where they're going to be? I think are they hosting Thuringen? I can't remember. But I don't
1: remember. I didn't know that was this weekend. That's great news.
0: It's Landil and Thuringen coming up. So, oh boy, stay tuned. Everyone,
1: everyone get your German newspaper subscriptions ready, <laughs> or not? I don't know if tomorrow. away, Oh well,
0: we'll find out. Um, yeah, I thought this was pretty comprehensive Landil performance. Um, nothing massive to say on Zwickau but they knew what they were up against. And the, you know, when you're one of these lower teams who's just been promoted, your season is not about stealing these games, right? It's about stealing just enough to to stay up and give another crack next time. So, Yeah, I don't that think,
1: one was a zero in their minds, no doubt.
0: I don't think they're going to be looking at the result of this one and being like, right, we need to go back to the drawing board, fellas. Um, should we move on?
1: Yeah, alright, so this was a fun one. Uh, the end was a little weird. Uh, Munsterland fifty nine, Trier sixty. So, yeah. So we play the how many did score game? Yeah, this was play
0: along at home, everyone. <laughs> this was an interesting one because I think this might be since we've been doing this. This might be the least points Passavan has scored in a win for Trier that wasn't necessarily like a given, like. I that's that's last...
1: how I was gonna phrase this. Yeah, the late, like the
0: lowest scoring Pasawan game that mattered. Yeah. Um. So Pasawan with twenty one on twenty four shots. So Tria st- stole this one despite an inefficient game from Dirt Pasawan. And yeah, I still I don't really know what to make of this having watched it as it happened, but. Munslan, as I alluded to, went for the strategy that actually worked for them last year, where they just decided they were going to pick Pasavan up with two guys anytime he looked like he was within his shooting range. And they kept two guys on him. Pasavan moved the ball early. And Trier got just enough. I think their passing and ball movement or whatever between the non Pasavan members of their team is better than it has been in the past because they looked more confident playing four on three or I thought their low point at Sylvana Van Hayes was very, very effective at getting like a quick curl as soon as they went to four on three and not like a, okay, now let's time, you know, let's time it, let's time it, hold it. And because that by that time, stuff has recovered and broken down, but I thought it was pretty good at like pass and gets rid of the ball, guy at the point, you know, threatens the shot and then it's like baseline curl and two points. Um which leads me to a related point. Munsland tried the press and I don't know if I've ever seen this out of him before, but Trias Dutch 4.5, Walter Vlanderen might be like underratedly the quickest player to ever live. <laughs> like they, yeah that they, guy
1: can shift apparently
0: I had no idea every time they put this press on it was like have you ever played Mario Kart and you pick up that boost that like turns you into the rocket that can like self navigate the track and it just like l- lofts you into first place immediately yeah he seemingly swallowed one of those power ups every time <laughs> put the press on and, yeah he just wrecked them a few times and got layups Um, and yeah the story was man Munsterland as the game was close and it was close at seemingly every junction it was two points after the first quarter, it was two points the other way at halftime. one point game after three and then Trier came and stole it but yeah, Munsland were determined that Dirk Passavan wasn't going to steal the game for them and Dirk Passavan did not, however the other Passavan, the less heralded Natalie Passavan came in, she hit kind of a catch and shoot open wing shot late in the game and then off a missed layup and kind of a tip rebound nailed a short post up um to put trier ahead by two. Watch. then hit one of two free throws to get it within one. And
1: can I just say the whole free throw thing was was chaos. Yes, it was like the, the end game scenario was nuts. Like so you're filing to you're filing off a are are inbound in the front court to try and send them to the line and you're nowhere near as far as i'm aware like you you might have two files at that point um <laughs> the whole thing is like everyone knows if you're going to get into an end game situation or you might like pick up a couple of files so that when you need to send people to the line you're ready to go so they go file inbound file inbound File inbound but there's a turnover off the inbound yeah. so they get a break the other way miss a shot and get fouled split their free throws it's yeah. just like i don't know both teams are trying to give it away a little bit but it was a lot of fun to watch but yeah there were there were some questions to be asked about late game execution there but it's also kind of hard to get right and so yeah a weird big, spot to be in
0: big picture um second straight stealing of a win for Trier after they beat Cologne. Second straight one point loss for Munsterland, who, as you guys might remember, um, they lost to Hanover by one last week. Yeah. Um, bit of a
1: bit of a cool time for these two teams to have met considering what happened to them last week. Like that was quite that was quite fortuitous in the scheduling, but
0: yeah, And the the Dirk Passavan having 45 last week and then being quiet by his standards in this one, only for Napoli to step up and help them steal this one. It's like, yo, guys, I don't know what you're doing in the Passavan household, but you want to keep stealing these games, expand your marriage into a throuple, and we'll just have future candidates to step in and win you a game on this front. Um, yeah, I think we asked a question last week about land, the fifth best team. And I think we're. this was a really, ah yeah, they lost Matthias Bellas in the off-season because small team in Trier, it didn't feel like Munslain could leverage their size advantage like they would have done in years past. Yeah. And they got decent games from both the Lammering brothers. So Julian with 22, Maxi with 13, and they got 20 from Zoran Muller. But that's all the scoring they got apart from a couple of two-point chip-ins. And yeah, it felt like had Matthias been around, I mean, they got out-rebounded by Trier. I think that's about the most obvious sign that you need. Um, yeah, had Matthias Bell has still been playing, he would have made a significant impact just in the vertical dimensions of this game. But shouts to Trier, man. That's two straight games they've stolen and they probably have the, the fifth place team in Germany belt if such a thing exists currently.
1: Yeah, apparently so. I don't think it does. I think we need to, I think one belt is plenty.
0: That would be a really neat, if, imagine if that was just like the spin-off of the belt, just something outrageously specific.
1: But we like give it to like teams in France every so often. Yeah, you'd be about the fifth best team in Germany.
0: We really should do that.
1: Uh, right. well, that's really funny. But also, I don't think Trier need a belt considering it resides in Trier once a month anyway. That's true. Uh, considering we try to find reasons to not give it to Dirk Passovan every so often, I feel like we're good. Considering,
0: oh. considering Passovan and Filipski are just playing tennis with it at this point, do you reckon there's teams looking around being like, "Yo, we just need a sweet shooting, bald-headed guy, and the belt's going to come to us roughly one times out of three?
1: I think most teams are looking for someone who shoots a ball like Filipski or <laughs> Dirk Passovan, but not for uh niche wheelchair basketball podcast related reasons I think most teams would take one of those two guys if they were offered and it wouldn't be anything to do with us and no. I think we're ridiculous for thinking so <laughs> but it is fun
0: it is right
1: up next all right um, Munchin Iguanas 72 Cologne 99ers 71 um, this this was chaos, this was also over time. um, and can I just say we have been semi-critical of the Munich streams, and it will continue to be that way only because I know Lucas is involved and he listens to this and I love Lucas and I want to give him abuse. but um, the game kind of did the thing where, you know, when you put a YouTube video on and you're like not connected to Wi Fi and it's the ads playing like 8K and then you get to the video and it's like which pixel is the basketball? Um, it did the equivalent to that where it was like really laggy for the second quarter and then halftime worked perfectly or between quarters, but it whatever one it was, but it was like laggy for a certain amount of time and then just perfect when people weren't playing basketball, all topped off by the fact that the Game tying shot by Cologne, I can only assume was long pass end to end from Robin Boganwich into I assume Bullet Codal.
0: It was. Uh, if you look at the play-by-play, there's no assist given, but you see you see Robin hurl the ball about three quarters of the court. I think Codal makes the initial catch, um, because he tanked off down the court early doors, and then the play-by-play credits the made basket to Mustafa so I don't know if this was like a catch and then Mustafa oh, oh, free tip for a layup yeah
1: yeah um, I have no idea which is my whole point I have no idea the guy running the camera just didn't pan for the last play of a two point
0: <laughs> but you
1: you um <laughs> oh you, my you, God you, I, like, God knows what I'm not I'm not actually being critical I think it's really funny this is just a bit of
0: mine but like oh wow good timing uh, you, you do get the camera pointing to the um, Cologne bench as it's happening so based on their reaction it looks like it was one hell of a play if anyone does know what happened please let us know because that's like the only bit of the game that we need a blank filled in on um, we have buried the lead here because the, the story of this game was that Cologne fresh off a loss to Trier came in here needing to I think prove themselves and Munich, we've kind of talked about, look like an intriguing setup who just need to legitimize themselves. I don't know how much a win over Cologne is legitimizing you, but it's certainly a step in the right direction. It's not like they've upset Landil or Thuringen, let let's put it that way. But they, if you were to just look at these two teams on paper, you would say that's a Cologne win. And having not watched a huge amount of Munich because they're Games are typically on at the same time as some of the other games in Germany, and their home stream is a bit unreliable. You watch this team and you think, man, this Gabriel Robel, Robel, whatever, however you pronounce that, like this guy can throw the ball at the backboard with precision, unmatched by basically anybody in wheelchair basketball. He might be the greatest bank shooter we've ever seen. I was when, just
1: gonna say we need a bank shooter hall of fame, but like I think it 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 needs to like lean towards guys that bank shots that
0: they shouldn't bank yeah, specifically.
1: That, like everyone can bank it from 45 and does not. I was been. gonna say if you think bank shooter, you think like Colin Bryce left wing 45 degrees,
0: top corner of the back one down. This guy was like, I don't care where I am or what direction I'm rolling, or even if I'm stationary from behind the free throw line, this is hitting. The absolute center of the square on the backboard and dropping through, and to his credit, it did eighteen times out of twenty-five. Yeah. So, and including what ended up being the basket that put them ahead by, um, by two, and ultimately gave them just enough juice. Because did you do you want to run through the last play of the overtime? Because we went through the last play of regulation. And, well, you know,
1: I, I did my best to go through that one. Do you want to go through the one that you could
0: actually see? Let's do it. So yeah, this was off a cologne miss. So it had been sorry, off a Munich miss. So it had been Munich by um three. It was then a missed cologne shot, offensive rebound and put back by Alex Kaiser, I believe, who shout out to him, barely played most of the season and then gave him twenty solid minutes to end this game. But that got them within one. Um, Munich miss. Cologne pulled the rebound down with about nine seconds, I think it was, and they attempt to go full court. Robin Pogganvich, who had just run a layup in to keep them close, um, basically tries to do the same thing. Tried to burn down court, didn't get it. They got Mustafa and Balut Kadal sprinting end-to-end, and they got Codell all the way under the basket and Munich had no answer for him all game because he's gigantic and had shot 10 from 12. Yeah. And this was Robin had to cross the floor behind them and just hurl a pass it, like a long looping pass from behind the three-point line into him to put it away. I think Robin released the pass with just a tick less than two seconds, and Codell caught it and tried to put it up buzzer sounded as it was in his hands so we split second away it was a made shot as well so we were a split second away from this being the other way around Um, which is wild considering we had essentially the same thing to end the Munsterland and Hanover game last weekend so these German teams cut it fine um, but yeah man I thought I thought Cologne had all the pieces they needed to win this game I thought Robin himself had a good game overall Um Played 45 solid minutes with lineups and whatever shifting around a bit. Yeah, man, Munich just, I mean, we texted about this game because neither of us could figure out what was going on other than, hey, Munich play three big all the time and their big guys just made shots consistently. Yeah,
1: it's, it's funny the amount that we put into trying to like express why certain things might happen in a basketball court once a week. And I still I'm just like, hey, you guys can all just really make shots at a high level like they can all just like they're all good, bad shot makers. They also get a couple of good looks a game, obviously, but like they're all great at taking map ones where it's like, I don't know, run a pick and roll with a one pointer. Don't really want to send it inside. Oh, God, I've got to skip it. And then you catch it off a skip screen's not really broken down properly. You're moving, you're coming up the floor. You're like not squared to the basket, and you have to grab, turn, and bank it, and it goes in. And you're just like you're just doing this for forty minutes.
0: Like scored seventy two on mostly that, yeah, on fifty nine percent shooting. <laughs> Jesus, uh, and this this is it. Man. I said to you, like this is such a the style of play is such a thr- <laughs> allowing for the fact. Munich don't really have a giant to fit in, and their outside guys to work around. They. You could have taken this video clip and if we could transport it back in time to like 2009 and show it to the Italian national team or the Turkish or Polish national team and be like, what do you think of this? They would be like, "Uh, Munich must be the best team in the entirety of Europe. We all told you that three bigs shooting outside and two ones shooting a combined six shots a game is the correct formula for wheelchair basketball. And for the sake of these 45 minutes, they were probably right. Yeah, why but not? Yeah, if you're if you're Munich, you know, this is, it sounds dramatic to say, this is a season-changing win for you. Like, you've stolen one well off a team who is ultimately probably going to finish above you in the table. And, you know, we've said before, when you're these teams, all you want to do is stay around to look attractive enough to lure somebody over. And if you're a prospective free agent looking at this team, you probably look at this game and be like, yo, I wouldn't mind playing with those guys. That looks like fun. Yeah, absolutely. backboards look so friendly over there. I'll just go and... The backboards look like they've been beaten into submission. It did, did remind me, man. Did you ever have one of those hoops when you were a kid that was like... We used to have one, me and Harry used to shoot in his garden, and it was like the water-filled base, the metal pole. And yeah. The, what was essentially like a a piece of paper stuck to the top of that with a hoop on it and we always used to like just bomb shots at the backboard from like the other end of his garden, watch it drop dead, fall through the hoop, and then we'd be like, right, let's go to actual training, and then you'd overshoot for two hours because all you'd been doing was whamming shots at the backboard all afternoon. And this was what the what the <laughs> Munich backboards made me think of. Yeah,
1: um, I think that's rite of passage for a lot of people who were lucky enough to have the space to have a hoop up. Um, yeah. Myself and yourself included, you just, yeah. You can throw, like, it was the thing of like, can I sit square to the basket? Like, throw it off any point of this board and convince it to go in. Like, Can I talk this into going it? In? Can I force this basketball into this hoop? And the answer was yes, most of the time.
0: I still blame those things for why I couldn't shoot in real life. Um, I blame cerebral palsy for why <laughs> I can't shoot in real life. No, I'm joking. I blame it for
1: you. I don't have cerebral palsy. I blame... um. A lack of time put into shooting the ball, probably not at this point. But
0: Um, (laughs) I don't know
1: what I blame. I'll 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 retire finding something to blame. (laughs) Last the day I figure it out, I'll retire. All right, cool. Last one. Turingia sixty four, Ryan River Rhinos fifty five. Did your stream start in the second half?
0: It did. Oh great! You well spent. Um.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Uh local German newspapers Uh, if anyone was actually able to watch the full game of it not live I don't care about live I mean watching it back now if anyone has any reason why it didn't work for us let us know but this was what was it Um, nine in the at halftime nine at halftime
0: was a nine to finish the game so all of the difference was gained in the second quarter which obviously we weren't able to watch um um yeah. Although like Ryan
1: has got it back to Tide at one point. Yeah. Which was interesting. And they also managed to get it back to Tide with uh um Kay Akita, Chris Huber, Moji Kamali um lineup, which was a lot of fun. It was yeah. like those two, Nico and Mikey Pay.
0: I said shout out to the bench unit. Yeah, hell yeah, bench units, bingo. Um uh-huh. I thought I saw the stat sheet for this game before we actually got to watch the stream. Um thanks for paying for that by the way. I'll I'll um
1: no worries. I'm hoping to get half off because I could only watch <laughs> half the flipping game. Fuming. You know I mean? <laughs> Pointless. I, I didn't would, want to pay for it in the first place.
0: I saw this stat sheet and I was like, yo, Lyndon was 29. That is like usually what his plus minus is, but it's normally on like something in and around double figure points, only just Mm-hmm. and you watch the first few minutes of the third quarter and it becomes exceptionally obvious how that 29 happened, and it's that probably the resounding difference between this team is size in general, but not only in the big spots where I thought Heiss, seven and Moji Kamali held up reasonably well. Thuringer's guards, when you put them up against a team like Wiesbaden, just look monstrous. Um, yeah,
1: man, they're so big across the board, aren't they? Like, Jordy's a massive 2-5, like, I'd in for a low sitting 2-5, yeah, yeah. he's a big guy. Joachim Linden is massive as well. Ari, obviously, Jens Albrecht, good big three, like... Even
0: Pod- Podniak's man is about as, about as horizontally big <laughs> as, like, Jim Palmer is tall. Uh, <laughs> and it's, yeah, Linden on the first few plays of the third quarter was just like... Had Jim on him or Nico Drumler, who's not even a small two in his own right, but he's just in a different weight class from a guy like Lyndon. And Lyndon just took, you know, threw those guys over his shoulder and took him for a ride on a few of these, just backdoor cut, post up, finish over the smaller guy. Yeah, um, he's so
1: great at that. Being like, all right, what is this guy giving me? Like, am I going to have to shoot a couple of these, kind of take them to the basket and post up? Like, he's so great at. I don't know, sort of diversifying his offense based on what he has in front of him, and I don't think he like gets it wrong a whole lot. Like if you're caught between, do I sit out here and spot this up or do I go to the basket? Like never, I don't really think I ever see him go to the basket and wonder what yeah. he was thinking. <laughs>
0: like, yeah, I think um, to Burden's credit, they held on and kept the margin where it was, brought it back, you know, at one point and then fade again, but they were doing it almost to their credit and you know, to their lack of capability to do anything else. They were doing it almost entirely from the outside. and um, I thought started from the point where Wiesbaden brought it back and just made the switch of hey, we're not going to actually change our defense. We're just going to push all the screens out by about two or three more feet. Yeah. Um, in a lot of cases, it left Vissbarden playing a real power stack up of like Juice with Heist on the screen, Mikey in the middle, and then that's obviously a strong three-man game to run. But they've then got Jim screening for Nico Drymuller on the weak side, and it's like that's fine. But also, if Vahid's left with those two guys, he can probably defend them for about three or four seconds and like just reach over the top of the screen to contest the shot. Yeah, or get Ryan it and dare them to go inside, like. Um, if you're the if you're a, a screener, do you think you should be allowed to like vertically put your arms up so that the, the defender can't try and like get over the top of you? Do you? You should be allowed to obstruct them from just reaching. You grab their arms and pull them back down. I think is the move. <laughs> uh, so yeah, shouts to Wiesbaden, I thought they they really brought it, and you could tell they were well drilled and well prepared for this game. Um. They knew what they wanted to do on offense. They just ended it throwing, and it. it felt like got so many more high percentage looks than them. And there was even times where like Spartan slowed the cuts down, took the primary action away, and then it it was like, ah, uh, what have what's this team left with? And it's like a Haluski two feet below the elbow post up over Jim, and that's probably a sixty five percent shot. Like most teams yeah. might. Go to that to start their offense, right? Yeah, and
1: I was just gonna say they do sometimes. Like sometimes they'll just start with that, but they're pretty good at being like, Okay, this isn't this isn't working next action. This isn't working next action, we haven't got this next action. Like they don't really break down into oh god, someone chuck this up. Because I don't know, I think when you have size and shooting combined in a guy like that, it's pretty easy to be like, Okay, our break glass in case of emergency is get to the elbow and worst case you can post up. Like he's bigger than all their guys. So
0: yeah. Um, Wiesbaden, obviously, last time they had a real giant knocking around was Matthias Gundner when he was around about two or three years ago. Um, they've never really replaced him and they've tried to do the like small and mobile thing, and it works against 80% of the German league teams, but Thuringen are not like the, you know, the lower 80 percentile.
1: Yeah. I think like both teams are going to be all right with this. Obviously, they like, um Viespadin wanted to take this one off them, but Viespaden being a single figure um game from throwing in at this point of the season is not bad when they're incorporating new guys and this, that, and the other. And Turing happy to get away with a win when yeah, they've had a bit no. of a weird start of the season. I think both teams are actually probably going to be encouraged. I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're right on that one. I think there's reason for optimism on on both sides, but Beast also, the only wrinkle for this one is they signed the Canadian on of Poisson Light. I don't know where she was for this game, but she is obviously their key to being able to stack up a bit more high point players in one unit. And that might be, they haven't played it a lot when she has been around, but if there was a matchup that you wanted that option for, this was probably it. So hopefully they've got that in place for any future matchups. Hope so. All right. Should we do the belt? we've got one more game to chat about
1: ah what have I missed
0: we need to um there's oh, no yes that's for this one but we have um we have each watched this and decided this needed uh, well we'll start this way have you recovered from the whiplash slash eye strain of watching Pierre's Lacano?
1: uh yeah we were talking about it and the analogy that I used that you were going to use was it just feels like watching tennis just from me like left to right but I really didn't think here is were gonna go that quick um yeah. obviously um, Nico Juancer, not known for flying up and down the court and they have um, uh, Mamadi there as well who also not that not that sort of known for flying up and down but I was this thinking was this end positive. to end stuff this was unbelievable
0: First up Mamadi looked in way better shape than he has done previously yeah, um,
1: He had some mad stuff to keep them a- around in the first half
0: And Pierre's, for people who don't know, this is really the first time I've watched them myself, but they signed both Jared Arambola and Aaron Patterson, USA guys, signed them during the offseason. They've both left under kind of not really explained circumstances at this point. Um, They got a late signing in whose name is Edgar Podemo, something like that. Uh, Don't quote me on that, but he's an American guy, three-pointer. And I was reminded watching And my favourite here's teams were the Nico and Mosler combo from like 2017, 8-ish. It's 18-ish time. Yeah. Um, and they had Ivan Toscano on that team as well, who's up now with Lacané, obviously, but this unit they've got currently kind of has little whiffs of that. traore is not in any way the finesse finisher that Mosler is, but He's tanking up and down. Nico's shooting from outside. And then the, uh, Edgar, the new three-pointer, isn't the biggest guy in the world, but he's big enough to just sneak in and post up guards if there's too much attention paid to the big guys. And on top of that, unexpected from all this, Jérôme Duran, who's been at has for years and years now and seems to... I mean, he was old the first time I played against him, and that was in about 2012 he appeared to have a jetpack strapped to him in this game.
1: Yeah, man. <laughs> what was, what going was going on? on?
0: <laughs> was, Unbelievable. There, there was there stuff was... there where he was breaking their press single-handedly and, like, stroking the grey hairs in his beard as he did it. I was like, man, some of the, like, moves he pulled to get through the press I don't think I could have burnt their press on a try ride as quickly as <laughs> so he was just like, hey, just give me the ball and I'll, I'll well, This is them. one
1: thing I wanted to talk about. Like, I spent most of the game with he was up wondering why, like, I didn't press, you know, yeah. like, i playing basically. I think they got like three three fives, yeah, two five. Um, uh, and Maciek, who is very quick for a one five, just very quick full stop. I kind of wondered why they weren't pressing, and then they started pressing, made the comeback. And then I have a couple of questions about this because my main thing is like. Even though he broke the press a lot, it had the thing of he came out of the he came across the halfway line with the ball in his hands and was like, right, I'm going to the basket. And anytime you take the ball away from it's a pretty good way to take the ball out of the hands of Nico Juanse, because they break the press, but they don't break it in a way that they have a chance to choose where they go and when and who with, etc. So it ended up like, even though they broke the press a lot, it wasn't Nico slow pick and rolls into elbow post-ups. Which I think is ideal, but also they pressed up until they tied the game, and then they stopped pressing because I know they don't really, they didn't yeah. really want to. But if you manage to make a however many point comeback, double figures easily, twenty odd, um, comeback with a press, do you not just keep it going in overtime? I know it's riskier, but like it was working.
0: It's riskier, but if it got you from. 14 points down in the last six minutes of the game there's a chance it'll win you the next five minutes as well
1: (laughs) yeah like just i don't know maybe i'd run it until i was up six or in case they figured it out was down six again but yeah i don't
0: i don't know yeah i thought it was a strange one to be honest i think i mean i even before the presses were put on I watched the first quarter of this game and it got to the first quarter timeout. And I remember feeling like I hadn't watched a half court five on five offense the entire game. So I think there was a reasonable chance that both teams were just absolutely burnt out by this point. Um, yeah. Yeah. I got to the biggest, um, the biggest shot of the game was off. I think he has up one. Nico got fouled, made one free throw. Um, Triaray tipped the rebound out. And then, yeah, their new signing, uh, Podemo, who's just joined them this week, kind of bobbled up, picked up a loose ball and made an open free-throw line area shot, which put them up four. And, yeah, I thought he had a great game. Nico, obviously, what's a great Nico-Juancer game at this point? Anything 40 points and above, which there's no stats for this game, but he might well have had.
1: Yeah, Um, I would say so. 30-odd, if not
0: 40. Um, Traoré just looks like a tank man, and Lecane are big across the board, but they there's not a lot of guys they have who are in his weight class for sure. And he there's a couple of possessions where he just muscled up on it, or he fly full court, get semi decent position, and then just you know, for one last push, shove them out of the way, catch and finish. Yeah. and yeah, I thought they tried to rough him up and do a little bit of the int- intimidation stuff, and he wasn't having any of it. No, um it it's not. cool this
1: was fun man
0: yeah if anyone hasn't checked this one out can only recommend you do so um it feels like if you watch the different stretches of it it feels like two or three different games packed into one is probably the best way i can describe it
1: yeah like, i think that's my game of the week like if we were gonna do like if we were gonna recommend one i think that's what i'd say to rec i'd say to watch for people if you had time for one but that
0: is, that is high praise given that we've had like a combined six overtime periods this week, and another game that ended <laughs> with a one point win. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's what
1: I'd go for. But, uh, yeah, I do you have any belt contenders? Um,
0: I think it's Filipski, isn't it? Given the the stakes of the game,
1: I was um, going to push for Oscar on Rubia, but, but uh, like, I, I don't know. Good. For like, it's a given that Filipski has thirty nine is not really a fair thing to say. But yeah, I think it's it's um, Fulipski, But Oscar gets a shout eight from twelve.
0: Can we do co-belt holders? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably. We can do whatever we want. Uh, you you decide. Uh, Yeah, I'll, I will go. I mean, let, let's be honest. We do this to post it on Instagram and try and get traction. So let's go Oscar on Rubia and we'll put Filipski in brackets because I don't think Filipski either has Instagram or if he does, he certainly doesn't acknowledge us.
1: He doesn't acknowledge us. I think he has Instagram. I don't know if he uses it, but yeah. All right, cool. Oscar on Rubia, belt holder. Um, congrats. And yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Cool. Let's get We're out of get out of here. And
0: if yeah. anyone if anyone's listening and wants to hit us up with predictions for landville and Thuringon this week coming up, let us hear it.
1: Oh, please do. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Talk to you soon. Peace. Bye.